0: Being future ready, it's a powerful feeling. Like getting nothing but green lights on the Friday commute home. Now we're moving. Feel powerful about your future. Talk to a financial broker about a pension powered by Zurich, or visit zurich.ie. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you have a free travel card, did you know that you can use it on Expressway coach services all across Ireland? Travel
1: from Cork City to Sligo Town, catch a flight from Dublin Airport or visit the home of the Titanic. Adventure awaits! And with reclining leather seats and free Wi-Fi, getting there is half the fun. Where will you go? Hop on board or visit expressway.ie
0: Mike Murphy here, welcoming you to the first Senior Times series of podcasts. Over the course of the next months, it'll be my pleasure to interview and chat to some of Ireland's most prominent and interesting people. We'll also be hearing from experts on pensions, health, financial planning and mindfulness. Thanks to our sponsors, Zurich, Expressway, Doro and the Sports Surgery Clinic. Our guest today on our Senior Times podcast, and I'm delighted to welcome her, is a senator, academic, broadcaster and lecturer, Mary Louise O'Donnell. Um, I'd like to start off with a senatorial aspect. It's terribly impressive. I'm almost overcome, you know, with the <laughs> honour of speaking to an actual senator. It really is a fantastic achievement for me at this stage of my life to meet a real senator. What do you actually do as a senator? <laughs>
2: Oh,
1: gosh, it's a very good question. Do you know, I, I, when I was asked, I was invited to be a senator by Enda Kenny in 2011, I was so taken aback, I could hardly breathe. But I was also taken aback in the back of my head, thinking, do. <laughs> no, no. Because in all my life, you know, I never stopped outside the gates of, of Leinster House and said, I wonder what's going on in there today, especially in the upper house. Nor well, did
0: you ever say, I am hoping one day to be in there, I'm correct. sure. Correct.
1: Or I would have found a route to it. Um, There's 60 senators, and I was one of 11 of what they call the Taoiseach's nominees. And to be fair, he took them from education. He took them from sport, the arts, business. And I was one from education because I had been lecturing for... From the Jurassic Park era, you know. Um, so he thought probably that I had made some contribution. But, to- But you
0: were also from County Mayo. I mean, <laughs> here we are now. Is this the jobs for the boys or the girls well, and all that? Gosh, the no,
1: County no, that Mayo. Was, it was co- com- uh, completely. Anyway, coincid- go on. Co- that yeah. was coincidental. I was born in Foxford in Mayo because my father worked for the Foxford Woollen Mills, which was very famous. We all had a Foxford rug, Foxford blanket and all my family had been in that area. And I was born there and we we spent, then we came to Dublin, but we spent an awful lot of time in the West with my grandmother. And so I had a huge Mayo connection because many of my cousins and aunts and uncles were all from the town. And of course they didn't emigrate. So many of the people I grew up with, yeah. because Foxford without the Foxford Woolham Mills would have been a place that you would have run yeah. out of. There were no, no jobs. So um, for 100 years, that mill was alive from 1890 yes. right through up to the 80s and the 90s. And it's back alive again. I'm looking
0: forward to talking to you about it in more yeah. detail, actually. But go back to being a senator. Yes. Right.
1: So I had, uh, yes, so he appointed me. I had been working out in DCU and trying to develop arts on the campus, on a very young university campus. And I used to drag people out and, you know, to speak and artists and musicians and writers. And I said to the first president there, Danny O'Hare at the time, if you want to be a university, we would have to have a cultural and artistic and a musical tradition. We we just can't be an NIHE that becomes a university. There's a lot more to it than that, and I and maybe I used to drag Enda out. He was in politics. Get politicians out, and I would get guests, and I would. And I, when I say drag them out, because there wasn't the M50, you know, I was really pulling them across to the number eleven bus, right up through Drumcondra and up into into Ballymun, into a kind of a world that a lot of people wouldn't have known about, because it was a very disadvantaged world, yeah. uh, the university where it was at the time. So I had a connection, and I also had a humour connection with Ender, because he used to he was around my own age, and he was from Mayo, and he was full of life, and he was full of joy and fun. And, and he was building the party back up. And so when I got the phone call, I would like you to become a senator. So I nearly physically fell down. I did find out, though, seriously, that it's the upper legislative house and it does do all the legislation. Every legislation that is passed in the doll has to come through the Senate. And much legislation begins in the Senate and then goes down to the doll. So when people tried to close it down which he did, they were very wrong because you always need a second check on what's going on. You just can't have people roaring off in one direction. You need Mm. people to counteract argument to add and subtract and elongate. And It's not that easy, you know. And it's
0: also people who are... Often outside politics, I mean, oh, yes. unfortunately, I, uh, there there is a reputation of failed politicians get kicked up to the Senate as a thanks very much. I mean that that that's yes, a, or younger a popular politicians popular... come in to
1: train there exactly.
0: Um, but does legislation actually get stopped when it gets to? Oh the Senate? Uh, uh,
1: yes, it does. does. It? You you do depend though that that, that politicians will get the, the between them and the, and the, and the, the permanent civil service, you know, mm. the permanent government will get the legislation right. And, but I have seen legislation be stopped. I've seen it be elongated, changed. I've seen ministers have to go back. most recent one would have been the adoption legislation, which actually um, the minister had to uh, actually stop in its tracks because the Senate said we are not... Adhering to this, this is not happening it 's about information for the right of information for 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 uh, adoptees mm. so uh, that's very convoluted for for this discussion but uh, legislation does get stopped um the the the, the independent senators are uh, not because I was one of them or the the chosen ones they don't come with the pathology of a territory you know they 're not coming with finnegale fall yeah. indep- they're coming with hopefully business or education as you say outside politics yeah Um, but they're coming with something a little cleaner Mm. they're not attached in any way even tentatively to an idea or an ism
0: by a coincidence i happened to meet and have a long chat with him last night i was at a function and he was there and uh, he i told him i was meeting you and he finds you one of the most amusing and interesting women in the country and he (laughs) said And uh, he said, "Did you ever hear her doing the accents? He heard you doing the accents. Now, have I got this right? About a bus trip you took from Belfast to Derry? Uh-huh. Am I right, about, right uh, about that? You're right about that. And didn't that you see did it. the accents as." of the areas you went through.
1: Yes, it was a most interesting <coughs>
0: bus trip. It was from
1: Belfast right across to Coleraine into Derry. And it's one of the most beautiful visual trips because you're going past the sea and the sea is appearing like an enormous big wave and then you're in the darkness of the tunnel. It's really quite interesting. But there was a fellow sitting beside me and his name was Yule Robinson. And Yule yeah. Robinson, I was from Ballymena, Bally Murray, Billy Rena, up that area. And Mr. Ewell Robinson, I didn't really believe in unification, wasn't into unification. <laughs> and I said, why not, you?" Well, he says, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it from the health point of view, he says. By the time I got to the x-ray machine, I'd be bankrupt in the <laughs> south. <laughs> he, was, he was a wonderful fellow. He'd been all over the world and he was a farmer, small and wiry with dyed hair. You know men who dye their hair in their late 50s. You know I'm onto something here. <laughs> that sense of yeah. youth. But he was so definite and so honest. And my mother, who's now 97 and still alive, she was from Newry born and bred in Uri, educated here in uh, Eccles Street in the south. But she used to always say, the northerners are the most honest. That the southerners, in her experience, had a tendency to play around a little bit with the truth and add and subtract to it, but the northerners would be very honest. And that's what I remember about R. Ewell Robinson, um, his honesty about what was going on and the world and the unification, and it was very far out like the stars. <laughs> they we a
0: unification
1: <laughs> goodbye now he says <laughs> as he was getting off the train into the wind so is that that might have been what ended was I, talking I'm about I'm sure
0: that's what it was yeah. by the way you mentioned your mother there yeah. and um your mother, Maura Cranny, more cranny yeah. and Maura, uh, was one of the best speech and drama, mm-hmm. best known speech and drama teachers in the country. Would I be right?
1: You would be. And, you know, the more I see her ageing at 97, the more I 97. see 97, this enormous career, uh, she was educated in Echo Street and then, and then was educated in the Guildhall in London and came back. And she was really a speech and drama teacher of a different calibre. And I'm sure there may be a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, in their 70s and 80s who she taught because she was teaching in her early 20s. And she taught people, she did opera, choral verse, musicals, plays, drama, poetry, orality, voice, public speaking, she never, it wasn't about accent and stylization, it was about the ability to express yourself and do it well. And we were, from the time we were five, at the Father Matthew Fais, with duologues and dialogues and Oscar Wilde and poetry and in plays and our whole sense of expression. She was a world of expression, uh, of vocal and oral expression and quite brilliant. And taught everybody from high court judges to, to, disadvantage, to the disadvantage, from opera to the little poem. She was really, she saw no difference. She she taught Milton to nine-year-olds. She never thought there was any kind of barrier to the, the capacity for the young mind to take in something or for 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 the young mind to be taught and elevated she really quite something and i kind of grew up with that and i thought that's the way life was now she never in her life put down the fire made the tea made a bed cooked a meal she never did anything like that. We never, she, she sent us away to boarding school. We, I went away. Who's and, we now? I mean my, I, There was my, two brothers and a sister. My sister went to Milford. My brother went to Ross Gray. I went to Loretto Cavill. We were thrown out of the kitchen. And another brother of mine, well, he was more mature, so he went to Mary's and Rathmines. And they're all in their 50s and 60s now. She overeducated the women, myself and my sister, completely overeducated us. And she said, the boys will be fine at sport.
2: Really? That was her attitude.
1: Really? Now, she was, she was really extraordinary, but she'd never stopped. She was a feminist in every sense of it, with the four of us under 10. She travelled the world. She lectured. She was the first person to give the, the lecture on the, um, the, the power of the spoken word to the Cistercians when they broke their vow of silence in 1965. She lectured in the Deep South, in, in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, in 1965, on the power of the spoken word. And she was, was she who introduced me to Negro spiritual poetry, to all the great poets, Vachel Lindsay, Carl Sandburg, Maya Angelou. She came back in the 60s with all of that. That's to me. She was really yeah. something. She adjudicated at all the festivals and people who not made it, but went into the art, she spotted them at nine.
0: So she must have coloured entirely your view of, edu- of general education. Yes.
1: I mean, and gave me a love for it and gave me a love for the arts as being the heartbeat of who we really are and gave me a love for voice and for expression in in a natural way. And because so much of our world is so visual that, you know, the radio and the spoken word and conversation Mm. like we're having, you know, communication meant so much to me at even such a young age. And the the speaking of poetry, it kind of gave me a sense of vocabulary that I could get, find my way, the route around words, to try and explain myself, you know, to, un- to the people who understand what I was trying to say and that I was trying to say it in a melodic way. She really was, the more I see her now ageing and the ageing process, her world that she's left behind, and it was a gift to others, was a major yeah. vocation. It was not, it was did never you to do with her when, own mirror. When
0: you were growing up, did you see it as a gift you were being given or did you find it tedious?
1: No, I saw it, she was a gift to everybody else. What happens, and it was so generous, and her passion for her work and for young people and for adults and for her plays and poetry and her dramas and her musicals was so huge that it went on on a Saturday and a Sunday, Christmas Day, New Year's Day. We just accepted it that you didn't have Mummy at home. There was no sitting down with Mammy or watching. It was like a vocation. Oh, totally. We just accept it. So there was a loss, a family loss in one way. I mean, if I was being truthful, there was a major family loss. We didn't really do things together. Once a year, she'd appear in Mayo, you know, and find out where we had. We gone mad because we went. We would go down to my grandmother.
0: grandmother's
1: your father? Well, well, that's a very interesting one. <laughs> I mean, he was very clever and he was a great storyteller and he was great fun, but he kind of gave up. What you know, did he, he
0: do? Well, he, he was in
1: the mm-hmm. Woollen Mills and okay. um, then he was, he married like he was in his late 30s when he married and um, he kind of, and then he worked here in Dublin for an oil company and that and and then he kind of retired and he really, he was kind of, I mean, not silenced by it, but she powered on. She powered on like a tank, like Rommel's tank in the desert, you know.
0: <laughs> Try and stop me.
1: Try and stop me. And we all watched. I, I, well, I learned from it, but I don't know whether Daddy would have been, probably felt, I mean, if I was being realistic, there would have been a loneliness about that. I mean, you, you, you mm. don't do, I see this with politicians, you know, wives at home, or I see it with doctors, I see it with, you see it with anybody who's got a huge career. Somebody suffers. Mm. There is a moment where people do suffer. The other partner suffers, and when, he did suffer. <clears throat> that he did suffer.
0: I'm interested in your you, you. One of the things you did was teach radio.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: I know how keen you are on speech. Yeah. Funny enough, I, poor my dear friend Gay, and I know he yeah. you were a dear friend of yes. Gay's as yes. well. I
1: loved him. I knew him for ah, 34 years. he was a lovely years. man,
0: wasn't he? <clears throat> yeah. But Gay used to rail against yes. Uh, yes. some of the, the use of words, misuse, abuse of words yes. on the air, and he hated the soft Irish tea, right? Dis- good night. it, it. He hated that. Yes. But and then he he would he would hear somebody on the news call, saying the police are looking into it. The police are looking into it. He hated that. And then here's the news. He'd go crazy, you know I mean you we'd meet him for a meal after he said, "Did you hear that person on the mm. there and it's the, yes. the here is the news yes. or the sports news um but they strangulate the vowels <laughs> there's no vowel,
1: you know there's only news, so there's only n s news. you mm. know and so the vowel is 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 strangulated he's right, and there's also the lack of melody, where people are talking in a kind of uh, a pitch that you're you you're running for running for cover, you know. If there's no sense of melody, or oh, they are pronouncing the wrong word in the sentence, yeah. and you don't really know what they are talking about, there's no sense of what's the word I should be actually accentuating here.
0: So when you're teaching radio, tell me about what do you? Well, do? I
1: I I trained with the BBC, and I really I, tra- I trained in radio drama. And, I, and in, in all aspects, but mostly involved uh, what you'd call colour radio. It wasn't political radio and wasn't radio presentation. And it wasn't teaching people how to be good presenters. That, that wasn't what I was doing. I was really introducing them to the world of sound and, uh, and how sound works. And, um, and natural sound, electronic sound, um, spatial sound. And, and language, and how you can make one word and four other sentences into a story. Like a lot of people think when they think of radio, it's politics and somebody interviewing somebody else. It's a lot more than that. It's how do you put music together with a poem, or how do you put, a, how do you introduce something? How do you say something in a way that'll put that'll create the mood? And getting them to listen to plays, listen to poetry, listen to very good interviews. So it was really an introduction because an awful lot of the students didn't go on to work on radio. Some did. But the university's job was not to make radio presenters out of them. And That was sometimes, people thought that, but that was why they were there. No, they weren't. They were there to learn aspects of communication.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: uh, one of the major parts of it too was it, 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 the BBC used to do be a big, huge sound library. And the, the use of maybe one sound like, like if that started a program what do you think might happen next you know the imagination of your ear like bringing the life to your ear it was really about that kind of introduction some of them went on to write very well for the ear which is very different to writing for the eye most politicians who get up to speak write Big, huge, long, boring speeches. We we're all injecting ourselves yeah. or hoping that we'll pass out because they've written it for the eye and not the ear. Now, that's an art form, to learn that. Yeah. To learn, really, the use of language. They're to learn, as I say, sound library. They're to learn putting an idea together. Maybe making a one-minute ad.
0: Yes.
1: How would you do that? You know, so a lot of people thought they were learning to be radio presenters. Not at all. That's no. a talent. And you don't necessarily come from a university But for there's that. also
0: making a speech if you're making yes. a speech. And do you remember there was the golden rule about making a speech or was it a golden yes. rule? The one I always heard was tell them what you're going to say, say it and tell them what you said. And I can see the logic in that because yes. it. People then know exactly where they are listening to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But of course, you have to be concise, and of course, you have to have Mm -hmm. your points of interest, and also you're going to try and be amusing somewhere in there to break the monotony.
1: Yes, you're right. I always think that a speech is rather like an affair.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you had had many of
1: those? No, but it should be short. Relevant and interesting. Now mine have usually relevant (laughs) and interesting. Okay. (laughs) Whereas I often think (laughs) that my my (laughs) speeches are Long, irrelevant, and very difficult to get out of. <laughs> and terribly you know, boring. Yes. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah, it's one thing to start it; it's another to finish. Yeah, that's um, right. But there is a moment about a speech where it has to be alive, interesting, creative. You know, I mean, all these rules and regulations go out the window if you're boring. You could be. Yeah. You know, you really have to be interesting and maybe have an angle and and and, and let the the audience know what you're the, the, what they want to hear, not what you want to tell them. What would they like to hear? And the truth, because you don't need any education to know when somebody's not telling you the truth or their voice is false. Yes. You know immediately. Instinct can tell you, or when you're not able to connect. I think it's it's an art form. And you also need a vocabulary, because if I hear the word fantastic.
0: Fantastic, yes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And stunning.
0: One small. Trump is one of these people who has a very limited vocabulary. <laughs> well, you
1: know, I like some of and... it. I like that greatly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> greatly.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's like the yeah. British, the British royal family. It's an extraordinarily wonderful affair. You know, yeah. it's always I-L-Ys. You know, always the adverb Ily. But I think you know maybe, maybe Roger's thesaurus and look up a, look up a few words and try. Yes. To, except the BBC taught me a long time ago. You will never use a word you're not used to in the right context and it won't sound right. Never use words you're not used to because you'll, you'll, you'll give them the wrong tone or yes. the wrong melody and the audience will know. It's a they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's <laughs> right,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: Now here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, designed specifically for an older person. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. At Doro, they are dedicated to helping seniors live a better life without compromise. Doro helped make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. After all, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a top-of-the-range smartphone kindly provided by Doro is to go to the website www.seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. To see the full range of Doro phones, visit www.doro.com. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro phones, making technology easy for all.
0: Being future ready, it's a powerful feeling. Like putting your out of office on for your holidays. Start time now, end time two whole glorious weeks from now. Happy days. Feel powerful about your future. Talk to a financial broker about a pension powered by Zurich or visit zurich.ie. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you have a free travel card, did you know that you can use it on Expressway coach services all across Ireland?
1: Travel from Cork City to Sligo Town. Catch a flight from Dublin Airport, or visit the home of the Titanic. Adventure awaits, and with reclining leather seats and free Wi-Fi, getting there is half the fun. Where will you go? Hop on board, or visit expressway.ie. Um, your personal life. Do
0: you mind awfully if no, I delve a little all. into your personal life? Not at life. all. Um, you have a son. I
1: do. Yes. Luke.
0: Luke, age now?
1: In, oh God, I hate saying it because I think he's still nine. Oh um, yeah, he's thirty-one. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and I. Well, he had, thinks
0: like a nine-year-old. Think, oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, i And joking. I had
1: him in the eighties. I got pregnant in the eighties when there were Flitter and Joanna Hayes down the road. Um, I'm a single parent.
0: And, and wh- wh- did you stay were you long with the well, man? Well,
1: I I was only a year. And he he left. Um, it was he left. He left. He he left.
0: After Luke was, he was born.
1: Luke was one and a half, and he left.
0: And did he leave belligerently?
1: Um, he left unhappily. He left me with a lot of unhappiness, and oh. but, and I never. I thought I would never get over it. I thought this will never end. This will just never end. And I had a beautiful son. I couldn't understand it because it was in my thir- It was in my early thirties, and I had learned to be responsible. You know, I. I couldn't understand it. But anyway, he left and um, he didn't come back.
0: What were your circumstances at the time?
1: Well, I was a young lecturer in Carysford, in the great Carysford Teacher Training College with the outstanding Seamus Heaney. And I love saying that because he became a really great friend of mine and it was such a privilege to be around him. And he loved the drama and all the things I was doing because I was lecturing in drama at the time. I'd kind of taken up my mother's career and thence to DCU. But... You know, I was very much on my own and I lost a lot in the sense of houses and you lose things. You lose not just the partner and the person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, but you lose houses. And it has happened to half the country. And I thought it would never pass the melancholia and... The awfulness. And you lose trust and the the loneliness. loneliness. And I was on my own and there wasn't a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. But I had a job. And it's the one thing that kept me going. And a good job. And I love my job. My son is now 31. He's a specialist registrar in urology, neurology in um, the Matter Hospital. And I couldn't be prouder of him. So I think his father, who I loved and adored... And I could never say anything bad about him. Who went on to have his own life is fine. And I wish him luck because I I got the prize, really. In the end, I got the great prize. I never married yet, as a student said to me once. He said, isn't it a wonder you never married? (laughs) I think he lost the head one day. And I said yet as he was going out the door. But... I I never really, tr- I didn't have a lot of trust after that, you know. I met lots of guys and I loved lots of guys, but I never married. I didn't want to say, I just couldn't go through that broke, break in trust.
0: Ever again. Um, at this stage of your life...
1: Would I like to marry? Yes. Am I accommodating? Yes. Am I available?
0: Yes. <laughs> well, at this stage of your life, it's, it's a, I mean, there is. it's very interesting that you have effectively led a single life. Very much so. And um, at this stage of your life, do you mind if I say you're in your 60s? You're yes. You're in your... You 60s. Do, I'm in you my do 60s. Mind? No, not at all. Um, okay, but anyway, so at that, at this stage of your life, have you missed... The companionship. I'm. I, I don't want to be prying into your we'll into your away. personal life, but have you have you missed having a companion on a permanent yeah. or a semi permanent basis? I've had a great
1: career. And, yeah. Um, between for to DCU, RTE, radio, and teaching. Yes, because everybody needs somebody to kind of bounce off, you know. And you're there looking in the mirror, and you're making the decision based on the the, the scrambled egg. You know, on your own. Um, yes, I, I, I would have missed that. I would have missed somebody on your team because I never treated my son as if he was on my team. He was never my friend. He was my son. I didn't cross that barrier. I'm a great believer in that parents should have barriers with children. And I never call, he never called me Mary louise He called me mum. Mm. You know, I didn't cross those barriers at all. And those barriers remain. Mm. I was, maybe I was very conscious of that. And that I wouldn't make him into the friend telling him my big problems yeah, that, to. That, that didn't happen, happen at all. It didn't happen at all. I have very good female friends. i very good male friend. And I, maybe I'm a feminist and I didn't know it because mummy was one. And, you know, I never, I wasn't a protest politician. But I was protesting in my own way, in the way I was living my own life, kind of. I lived a very single, um, independent life. And there are huge prices to pay for that. Uh, well, touch would be one. Affection would be another. Um, companionship is another. Somebody to walk with and shoot the breeze, man, and be on your team and, and give you a bit of advice. Come home and say, well, you organise mm. yourself and don't be worrying about that. So you could sit down and not have your head in your hands for the evening. Who you know? would
0: you talk to? I mean, I, I would imagine oh, you have a hugely have... wide circle no, of friends. No,
1: no, I don't. <clears> no, I don't. Because that's another thing about being single. You're number nine or you're number 13 yep. or you're on, at the at the um, the wedding on your own and you have nobody to stand by besides saying, God, my God, when will we, we get the food? You know, that you're in a group and then you're a threat to other people or that you're being nice all the time and not yourself.
0: Because- and because you have an engaging personality, <laughs> and you're a good-looking, woman,
1: extremely attractive.
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Will you go you way out have, of No, you would have been seen as somewhat threatening to some women or
1: man except that you knowing me that wouldn't be it it wouldn't wouldn't feature in the back of my head but there is a moment where there is a loneliness of the long distance runner you know there is that moment there and I don't I don't cower away from that it is true and my mother even says to me have you met somebody nice she's been saying that for the last 40 years (laughs) <laughs> and um, I say, no, but you should. And I said, oh, mommy, it's a bit late. It's never too late.
0: <laughs> Did you ever try the dating? Did no, you ever do no, the dating no, system? No no, 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 no. I don't.
1: I, uh, well, maybe people must would be so know. you. so hard to do. Yeah. Sometimes people would know you, you know, yeah. and they'd. You need to be more ridiculous, you need to be more anonymous for that, you know. I know I couldn't do that. And I watch people on the dating games on the television and I I sometimes hide down behind the couch with the state It's
0: like like a fellow years ago, I remember in a pub telling me that I never liked you anyway and my wife hates you. (laughs) You So you go on a date and suddenly you meet the the wife. (laughs) Jesus, is your man. You couldn't do it. What is that barrage of enemies coming in the door? Listen, tell, just to talk about, um, you mentioned Foxford earlier on. And nowadays, of course, with the free travel, you can hop on a bus yeah. and go over yes. to Foxford for nothing. Yes, it's marvelous. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, but if you do go over there, um, do, you, do you go over and meet the people of your childhood? When you go over there, mm. do you revisit the places of memory? Oh. Maybe the houses where people yeah. you loved or used to socialise with, do you do that? It's very interesting
1: you should ask that question because when you think of, you know, I I, I have free travel now, I hate saying that, because I remember when Daddy got free travel, I said, Jesus, he's as old as Methuselah, (laughs) and here's the visual aid, (laughs) the new visual aid, coming with the free travel. But with Expressway and with, um, you know, the Lewis and the Dart. (laughs) It's fantastic. You hop on and hop off. You're not looking for the I was
0: only thinking recently about what are the the joys of getting older. And to be honest with you, the only one I can think of is the free travel. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, it's true, it's true. What anyway. It's yeah.
1: interesting you should say that because last year I was, at, uh, two years ago I was down in Foxford at the Foxford Festival and I won a boat. Now it's, it's, it's an angler's boat, a fisherman's boat, 20 foot. You won it? I won it, Jed. It was in the raffle and I said, I ain't going to win that. And I did win it. So we were putting um, an outboard engine on it and kind of shoulders on it, this, that and the other. But anyway, during the summer, last summer, six or ten women, we all went out on this boat. A guy called Kieran Connolly brought us out. What they called, from, from pontoon in County Mayo um, out to Glass Island which was an island years ago that had a small monastery on it and they used to say masses on it and that well. And we went out on the boat with a picnic where we had everything from Italian wine to cheeses to breads to jams to chocolate. You think we were going away for the rest of our lives. And we, <laughs> you we were You were em- sitting, emigrating to Glasgow. We were only going about yeah. half a mile out <laughs> yeah. on the boat in the choppy, beautiful, beautiful Lacan waters. Um... Uh, it was just, and we thought, we, 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 the, the women sat out there, divorced, separated, married, single. Ah, oh, stop. Women I had been reared with, I had danced with. Women who knew everything about you because they knew your yeah. mother, father, grandfather, uncles, yeah. aunts, and they'd all, oh, there was nothing you could leave or be, be, you know, false about. Wonderful women. And we sat out there and we talked about dancing and pontoon and men and fellas and uptown where we went and standing at the corners and going here and cars to Castlebar and cars to here and da- Oh, stop it! Fantastic. So you are right, and we do that quite regularly, and we meet in each other's houses, and we all have our own lives. But when you ring or when you meet these women, that I, you are right back. In a moment yeah. of where you were. You would have done no... school
0: with them, things yes. Like that. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, maybe
1: not, <clears throat> but I would have spent my youth with them yes. and known them. And my my people, as you they know, say, would people. have known their yes, people.
0: Yes, that's right. Our
1: tribe. Yeah. There are our tribe. Who
0: were the, there were a, a, a group of older. ...women that you used to know when you were younger?
1: Oh, there was a wonderful... My, my grand aunts, known as the Dollies... The Dollies. ...and the Dollies lived up the top of the town... ...and they were Annie, Katie, Lizzie and Mary... ...and two of them had been governesses in America... <coughs> in, the, ...in the 20s and 30s... ...and were exiled to America... ...educated but went as the governesses... ...in the great houses of Chicago... ...and came back with that artifice... ...but came back as double exiles because they weren't known in the town, and went back to live at the top of the town in the bungalow with their other two sisters, and one by one then died. And I knew when I was a child, meeting them at lunchtime and going up to see the dollies, there's something wrong here about the lives of these women. I didn't know sociologically or psychologically what it was, but I knew there was something amiss, that you could be exiled out of your place, and then an exile, a double exile when you came Mm. back, because nobody knew you. Um, but they were very influential on me. It's, it's only when you look back on your life you realise, isn't it, that, yeah. you, as End O'Brien said, we are our memories. You never, it's only when you look back that you realise, my God, that had such an influence on me. My God, didn't that give me such fortitude? Or didn't that really teach me how to react yes. to that situations? So I loved them. They were known as the dollies because they were, and they were what they call, fellas at the corner would say, the dollies were down at mass wearing lip paint.
0: Lip paint. Wearing- lip
1: paint. Lipstick, lip paint,
0: paint because (laughs) they had
1: red lipstick. Ah, yeah, from America. You know, and nice, nice tight coats and hats with a little bit of fur on the side. Neat, beautifully dressed. Oh, but ladies, ladies, absolute. I mean, they were my grandfather's sisters. So the, the town had that kind of whole raft of age you know right down to the one year old from the, the dollies at the time yes. you know, so you unlike an estate that I live in now you don't get that raft of people you don't get yeah. that connection you know and we were cousins and half cousins and out cousins and somebody from married from out the town and people in like there was the town for me was the universe and McGahern I, I used to love McGahern's work because he said that that the the, the local the, the town, the house, the bedroom is the universe. We yeah. all think it's yeah. out there
0: in the yeah. big world. No, he it's showed, not. But he showed that in didn't his writings, he? didn't he? Didn't he? The local everything was is about the universe. The, the parish.
1: And everything in the mm. parish was universe, mm. and, and that was my first, I suppose, even in sound, listening to people talking at the mart mm. and the fair days and the chapel. It was my introduction to sound.
0: Can I ask you this? Is your, look at the vibrancy of you and, and your interest in so many things. Mm. Does retirement cross your mind? Okay, you're in your middle to late 60s. Does retirement cross your mind? God, it is terrible. That's terrible.
1: (laughs) Terrible. The idea. It does, because it's crossing my mind, because the Senate, I'll be finishing in the Senate now in the next two months, three months. Um, There'll be a new Senate. Um, I'm not standing for the Senate. Maybe I didn't have the courage. Maybe I felt that Enda had, Enda Kenny had gifted me, affirmed me Mm and gifted me a place in the Senate and repeated it. And I hope I did it justice while I was there because you can't do it in everything but in certain areas so I don't know I'm going to have to think very long and hard as to what I'm going to do because I think my (coughs) I would be quite mentally unstable if I wasn't busy (coughs) yeah and I mean it in the sense that you spend too much time thinking about yourself (laughs) you know, and in yeah. the mirror, as opposed to kind of get on with it. So it, it was... I wrote a book last year called Irish Working Lives. I and was it, going to ask you about yeah, that, yeah. And it, it was about 14 people that I picked out, of all the people I'd met in projects and organisations with RTE. But it was only really in getting the best out of them that I got the best out of myself, you know. I really felt really? that it had nothing to do with me, really. I'm not mentioned in the book at all, except these are the people... They were extraordinary what people. Kind
0: of, what kind of jobs were they working on? Um, they
1: were a fisherman, they were a Thatcher, they were um, a baker, they were an a Carmelite, a train driver, a birdman, an embalmer, a chiropodist... Um, oh, this is very interesting. Control, like, And they're it, alive and well. It must have been
0: interesting talking to them. A great idea, by the way, for a book.
1: Yes, and Eric Luke did the photographs. And it was a day, not a day in their lives. No, it was just I spent time with them to find out who they were and what they were and how their work was inextricably linked to their own breath. Mm. Like, it wasn't out there and they were here. It was just inextricably linked to who they were and what they thought of Ireland, who, where they were in in the middle of this island, in the middle of our mm. tor- turmoil and changes. I mean, they were just so... I mean, one of them, one of them was Margarita Solon, who built on a creative and not a medical model the Macaulay Place in Nace for 56 people to live independently in the old Macaulay um, uh, Mercy Convent. With a creative model, with its own restaurant, with its own coffee
0: shop. She built it? Yes. What do you mean? She, she... She
1: went to the nuns and got the money and they held off selling it to a big developer And now she has 56 independent. You see, these
0: things are wonderful. You know, when you're older, you have the wisdom, you may not have the energy, but you might spot opportunities to do things Mm. that are both fulfilling for Mm. yourself and of benefit to society.
1: Yes, and against the grain. You were saying, we're not having the medical model, we are having a creative Mm. model. And if people need medical, who live there, well, they can. They, yeah. The medical can come, can come in, and mm-hmm. and you, and you're sharing it then with with the whole of the town of Nace. And if you want to go into uptown, you want to go to um, McDonald's, you can. And but you live in, with a village within a village is yes. where you're living. Yeah. Is yeah. the best way
0: to describe it. Um, so those kind of people. Yeah. Okay. Well, then retirement then is. Uh, what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going a to do? A project like that. No, something
1: that's like fan- that.
0: That's fantastic. Is to get involved in something like that? But you've had such a varied career okay as I, I as i think of you you have done so much in so many different areas have you have do you see what you have done in your career i'm not talking about your life now in your career as a whole or do you see it as a fragmented entity mm. in which you may not have realized your ambition or did you have or do you have an ambition yet to fulfill
1: it's a very good question. <laughs> it's a tough question. I I would have seen what I've done so far. Hopefully, not fragmented because it does. The centre does hold that you co- you come back into. Well, what was it? Well, it was vocational and it was teaching. In some way, yes. it was a gift of giving. And helping other people to get the best out of themselves, you know, in whether you wrote the book, or whether you were teaching a young group of of, of students in the university, or whether you were going around the country, getting the best and platforming the best out of organisations yes. and people and projects. What would I like to do? If I was to tell you the truth about that, what I would really like <laughs> to do, I will. I would like my own late-night show. Do
0: you know something? I was about to say to you, when you were talking about your book, wouldn't that have made a very nice radio series? Yeah. You know, really, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I, it was exactly why I asked you the question, because you you are a, a media personality, but a, not a fully defined media That's personality, right. if you'll pardon my saying. Which so.
1: is an advantage. At which times. is an advantage yeah.
0: because you can turn your hand to so many things. Yeah. But in your own head, would you like to have had something which was literally associated totally with you, and where you had control of so, of some mm. kind, and where you were able to concentrate? the the time the energy uh-huh. and the the various facets of your mind.
1: Yes. It's yes and the control is very important and not kind of wayward control no. like a, a creative control because one of the things about Gay Byrne was the fact that he was the executive producer can, of his own show. Well, can
0: I just mention something to you in that light? There was a, it's an interesting thing that in at a time in RTÉ, RTÉ was unique in the broadcasting world in that it created a breed of presenter producers, you you look at people like Frank Hall and Gay and mm-hmm. me yes. I, I, was, uh, I effectively produced most of the things i did mm-hmm. now i didn 't they asked me to become a producer, and I said, "I have no interest in knobs and buttons and things like mm-hmm. that, so i don 't want to know about that, so no is the answer, but I exercised a hell of a lot of control over what I did. And I remember advising Ryan Tubberty when he was taking over the late letter, I said, make sure you are going to give an A and an A to everything that goes up because your name is on it. Mm. It's yours. So you've got, you've got responsibilities mm. in that area. And you're quite right when you say Gay was the executive producer and boy, he ran that show.
1: Well, I, I, to be fair to RTE, when I did a lot of the radio work with uh, Pat Kenny and with Sean O'Rourke, I would go out myself. Mm. They never said to me, uh, when I'd write up my notes, some of the the researchers would come down and say, well, we'd like you to start here. And I'd say, that's right, that's right. And, and you'd I, ignore I knew it. It was going and you'd ignore it completely. So I completely ignore it yeah. because I knew how to tell this Absolutely, story. Yeah. I would say, I leave it with me. Yourself. And then the senior producers after that stopped they didn't, they didn't they just let you ask yeah. so that was a small aspect of control now yeah. you're controlled by questioning but there, but i i was Boy, controlling uh, the story yeah. really so you're right i would i would like that but i mean maybe i'm too old but i mean we do not live in an age of society anymore and so maybe that would happen and that would be a kind of ambition of mine and not necessarily the stars yes i have met and of course to be fair to Nationwide it has done it too but it in, a, in a in a ten minute but your book
0: is a perfect example example
1: of and I, these people what they have yeah. to say and if you get them in an environment where they're completely at ease yeah they will tell you yeah. the truth and an interesting
0: brilliant absolutely truth and I mean, that
1: we're know. losing it's all yeah. stars a stage absolutely. and screen and Coronation That's... Street and they're boring for Ireland Abs-
0: and they're plugging something
1: and they're plugging something they
0: are um, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, as ever, and thank you so much. I would love to see you realise your ambition, oh, thank by the you, way. I would love to see it happen. I think, And you'd thank be you terrific. for this
1: opportunity, because I think Senior Times was <laughs> terrific. And it's only recently, I picked it up recently and had a seriously read-through of the magazine, which is marvellous. So this is a great... Um, well, wow. um, Trevor, into <laughs> greater and more vocal times
0: too. Okay, Mary Louise O'Donnell, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's all from us for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us again. The Senior Times podcast is produced by Connor O'Hagan and brought to you by Senior Times Magazine in association with Zurich Expressway, Doro, and the Sports Surgery Clinic. This is Mike Murphy saying goodbye for now.